Welcome to the DevReady podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we're joined by Jeremy Stratton, who is from Business Legal Lifecycle. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're here talking about your journey um, building tech within a certain industry. Uh, we'll dig in a little bit on that. Let's first talk about who you are and a bit about your background, Jeremy. Yeah, so um, I've my background is, a, is a, as a lawyer. So I've been a lawyer for uh, about 17 years at the time of recording this. And um, uh, I've really started that journey because I wanted to help people. I wanted to help business owners. I wanted to help them to figure out what they needed to do and help people through through their business. And um, so I developed that as, as a lawyer and um, really got to a stage where I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore and was looking to do something else. And that's really what led to um, generating the, the business legal lifecycle as a product. So in terms of um, business legal lifecycle, that's there to basically assist um, people practicing law to be better at business. Is that the objective here? No, no, it's, it's no. slightly different to that. So, so okay. what it is, it's to help business owners generally mm-hmm. to understand what they need to do in their business from a legal perspective. Get it. So, right. Which is probably a, normal, a big hole for most people. Correct. <laughs> yes, <that's right. laughs> you start talking legal and lawyers, people get a bit lost and then it's a yeah. huge taxi meter for fees. It's, it's, it's a huge problem, Anthony, because people, lawyers tend to talk about things in very verbose terms. They, try, they tend to pretend like they know everything that other people don't know. But a lot of it can be very easily known if people just have it explained to them in plain English. And so, my big frustration was around that. It was around we have this opportunity as lawyers to actually help people and too often we're more worried about helping ourselves and, and you know, feeding our own egos. And it's, a, it's a huge problem in the industry and one that I'm, I'm you know, trying to change through with what I'm, with what I'm building. Yeah, the, the jargon can get quite confusing, I think. <laughs> yes, it can. Uh, finding a good lawyer that you can actually rely on is also a challenge too sometimes because it's, yeah, it's you need someone that's going to have that personal touch if you're going to work with someone. I'm the guy that, that deals with, from a legal perspective when he gets the contracts in the in the core mm-hmm. business and it's uh, fun and games. I just love reading through legal contracts. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. But in terms of, so for the business owner, so that is mm-hmm. more for someone like myself or someone that's mm-hmm. running a business around what their legal rights are or what their maybe contracts are, you know, how to manage those. What are some of the outcomes they might get from this product and what you're actually offering? So, what the, the main um, uh, product is a SAS test. Uh, uh, we call it a legal assessment report. And you answer about 30 questions. It takes about 10 minutes. And what it does is it produces a report that tells you what you're missing in your business. So, the business legal life cycle is 13 phases of what you should do in your business and when you should do them. And then what we've developed, so, that, so I should start, there's a book that I've written about that. And then there's the test, which then goes about identifying what those missing pieces are from your business. What what are you missing? Tells you where you are. So it might find you in phase five, which is protecting intellectual property, and it'll tell you all the things that you're missing in phase five. It'll tell you all the things that you're missing from phase four, and then what you need to do in the future. So the value for the business owner is that it shows them without having to go to a lawyer and spend thousands of dollars getting your know, basic advice about what they need. It, it tells them what they need, it tells them what they've missed, and it tells them what they need to do for the future. It really helps them to understand what they need to do going forward in their business. So within the product itself, um, how did you go about putting that together? Obviously, book came first. Is that where it mm. all started for you in terms of the, the context of it? Or was it more, were you, were you writing blogs? Where did it all start for you? <laughs> um, it really started around a frustration I had around business owners not getting proper legal advice. And so, uh, many years before I actually developed the book, my business coach told me I was going to write a book. And I laughed at him and said, what lawyer writes a book for, for your average show? And, um, and um, 
then I had a few uh, client matters where people, if they just got legal advice up front, they would have solved and saved themselves and other people like millions of dollars. Mm. And so, I developed this concept of the business legal life cycle. Uh, and we, when we developed it, I realized that there were 13 phases, there's 13 chapters and there's a book. Okay. Uh, coming off the back of that, we thought, well, how can we make that more useful for us in our, in our business? So, that's mm-hmm. where the idea of the SaaS test came up mm-hmm. for ourselves in our business. So, what we did is we engaged a local, so I'm based in Brisbane, we engaged a local developer up here to help us to build that mm-hmm. test as really a, as a, a, an internal test for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really where it started from. Okay. So, from jumping into, let's look a little bit about, I think there's some value here for people that are listening in that are in business or going through building a, a business in the tech space. What are some of the, the key things within that um, process that people want to be aware of during their, their times in business and when there might be some loopholes that they need to understand or what are the steps, basically? Let's talk a bit about those as well. In, in the software development process? No, in the yeah. actual the life cycle. I think oh, let's, yeah. let's, let's talk about that for five minutes. I'd love to explore <laughs> that just so people and get their hands around some of the things they may not know in this space. Yeah, I think I think probably some of the big things are around really understanding what uh, you want in the future. So, what what is what are you building this business for? Because there's many different ways to structure a business, and um, you can set up companies, you can have partnerships, you can have trusts. But you really need to understand what you want so that you can get the best structure for yourself and what you need going forward. Uh, so, really, uh, yeah, the, it's it's not really a legal point, but understanding what you want seems to be the the uh, foundation point of everything that you do. So, really getting a handle about what you want and and where you, and that that will guide where you want to go. Uh, setting up your documentation right with with clients and customers is another huge one. So when when people start in business, I get it. I've started four businesses, and you wanna you wanna get in there. You wanna start doing the work. You wanna start helping helping people straight away. The problem yep. with that is that people do that without any documentation behind them, and that can work well for the first two, three, four years. But people change, money changes people, and mm-hmm. down the track. There could be a disagreement or a misunderstanding between people, and guess what? Nothing's written down, and so it's mm. all uh, based on emails or conversations, and that can cause a lot of problems between business owners. So just having fundamental agreements where you document what the expectations are up front mm. solves so many problems. It's not funny, um, you know. So they're, they're two big ones. Another one is if when people are bringing on employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're bringing on employees, not bringing them on properly again. That they're really excited, they're bringing on their employee. I get it. I've been there, and and so you don't document it properly. And then if something goes wrong with an, with the employee or that they don't meet an expectation, there's no documentation for you to rely on to enforce your your legal rights against them. Mm. So that's just a few examples of of uh, ones that people get wrong all the time. Yeah, no, that's that's some good tips for anyone out there that's listening in um, that that's growing a business or looking to. Um, that's definitely something that you want to pay attention to. So. In terms of when you went ahead and you've, you obviously wrote a book and then building out the tech, what was that process like? What did it look like for you and how did you go about doing that? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing I'll say is I had no idea what to do. I, I actually studied <laughs> IT out of out of school and yeah, okay. I was no good at it. <laughs> That's why I went into law. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I describe myself as having a dangerous level of technical knowledge I have enough <laughs> just to break things and that's, that's about it so, so I, I always give that caveat um, for me it was around really going to someone who um, put themselves out there as someone who knew what they were doing and had mm-hmm. built this kind of thing before and really getting guidance from them uh, coming up with a schematic of what we wanted it to look like what we wanted mm-hmm. it to do what, what yeah we had an idea in our heads that we wanted this thing to identify 
the blind spots in people's businesses, but really working out what that looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some other software that I'd seen that was similar. And mm-hmm. so I really modeled what in my head it was like onto paper based on what you know, I'd seen on from other people, mm-hmm. and developed the questions and, and started to work out some basic logic around if they answer this to this, to that to this, what, what does that mean for the end result of the test? So mm-hmm. that's really where we started. Okay. Uh, and and we we actually over a long period of time mapped out a, a quite a lengthy document, just a, a word document that kind of had all those details in it. Yeah, get it. So in that process, there did you go about drawing out a plan? So did you plan it all first, or did you just jump straight into build? What was the process there? Oh, we jumped straight into build. Straight into build. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, yeah. Sorry. I was say, how'd that work out? <laughs> yeah, not, not the great. Well, I mean, it worked, but yeah. it was a long and, and um, drawn out process that was frustrating mm-hmm. for, for all parties. So mm-hmm. we just jumped in and yeah, we had an idea about we want, what we wanted mm-hmm. and um, it didn't necessarily align with what the developer wa- um, thought we wanted. And we didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll put my, you know, my hand up and own it that we didn't, we, neither side communicated that well. We did get a, a minimum viable product, uh, but it wasn't the great, it wasn't the great thing that I was hoping it would be. Okay. Now, in terms so, of, in terms so, of, the, so there wasn't yeah, a process up front from the developer to take you through and understand exactly what you're after, no. what it's going to look like. No, that, or you were just pushing them to get started, probably. What we were put, well, the only thing we got to do was a schematic where we had mm-hmm. this was the logic for the questions, and and based on this answer, this is what would happen. And we had a sample mm-hmm. answer of, of for our report. We had a sample answer about what we wanted it to, to look like, mm-hmm. uh, but we didn't really talk about how practical that was or what what needed to to go into that. Or uh, yeah, in in version two point we we spent a long time wireframing all of the decision trees and, and working all that stuff out. And we didn't do any of that stuff the first time, and that was okay. one of the big lessons I learned was around the fact that we didn't we didn't plan well enough at the beginning um, mm-hmm. to to really understand because a lot of the logic I thought it was clear in what I drafted, mm. and it was it was misunderstood by the developer on the other on the other side. Okay. So I was using my language, not their language, and, and neither of us really questioned it. And then it wasn't until the product was almost finalised that I'm, I'm I'm seeing it done, and I'm going, no, that's not right. That yeah, that answer shouldn't shouldn't be that you shouldn't shouldn't have that result, and and all those kind of things. So that's where the frustration came, and it always comes back to communication. I think. Yeah, so it's a fairly common thing we've seen with all the people who've been on the podcast and just in their own business with clients come in. They've gone to a previous developer, and communication. They you think it's it's good enough. Mm. But when you're developing software, it has to be explicitly stated. <laughs> Otherwise, someone will assume something, and then it's completely wrong direction. That's right. And we didn't do we didn't do any uh, like of the agile process. None of the two week sprints. Uh, again, mm-hmm. with, uh, yeah, with my the developer who's who's now my business partner in the business, and, and it's helping me. Um, yeah, as a techn- technological partner, we go through the fourteen day sprints. We go through all of those things and make sure that everything's understood, and there's not long gaps between idea to finish product and then a lot of stuff gets missed in, in between yeah in terms of um have you found the difference between that agile methodology compared to what you did in the beginning what's been the difference for you the, ma- the main difference is around the communication and because you're checking things every couple of weeks and you're you because because you're having that communication you're really understanding where things are and so you're testing things really quickly you're, you're making sure that everything is what you're expecting it to be and if it's not then you know the developer, he's, and he's very good. He explains it to me and why that might not work or why this will work, mm-hmm. and then and then we move forward. And I think that's uh, I think I think that's with everything. I know as a lawyer, mm-hmm. when, when I don't communicate with a client, they find that frustrating too. Of course, and I, and I see it the same <laughs> yeah. with the developer. When the developer doesn't communicate with me, then I find that frustrating as well. So, so on that um, front, so you you build the first version, didn't quite go to 
to um, to plan or, or either your plan in your mind really because that's really mm-hmm. where it sort of came from how did you find your developer who is now your business partner how did that come about and what was the process there <laughs> Yeah, so so I, I spent a long time looking. Um, uh-huh. I am a member of a mastermind out of Nashville in America, okay. and um, I joined that because I wanted to find a lawyer in the states to help me rewrite my books and products for the the, the US market, which which I found. Uh, but I also reached out to that same group and asked for a developer, and there happened to be a gentleman in that group who was a developer, mm-hmm. and. Given what I'd been through with the first one, I spent a long time vetting him. I interviewed a bunch of people that he had done developments with before. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was someone that I, I met with on a regular basis, so he was able to give me some good insight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really, I really talked through what my experience was with the previous developer as well. So, we had a, a lot of discussions around what the problems were and how we could make sure that didn't happen again. Mm-hmm. And um, after a long time of, of, of those discussions, we, you know, like we're talking probably six months. And this was six months because we're in different countries on the other side of the world. We're getting mm-hmm. to know each other. We decided to give it a. To, to, I decided to give him give him a go. Okay. And then he developed the product. And then and then after that, he became my business partner. It was a. Yeah. It was a. I paid for for the development, but then I need someone to run the tech side of it. So, it. I I agreed to give him a split of the equity going mm-hmm. forward so that I had someone running that side for me. You're taking care of that. I think that's one of the challenges that um, people have in the space. There's a realisation that once tech's in the business and you've built it, you need to maintain this, you need to support it, you need to expand it, you need to understand where the market's going, what your consumers are actually tapping into because there might be other products that can be added on, other feature sets that can be can be sort of planned in. How do you go right now in terms of, where the product is, planning out sprints. How do you plan out what's important for the next evolution of the product, the roadmap? How do you manage that? Um, so, we we don't do it well, <laughs> that side of it. Um, we're actually doing um, a bunch of uh, work with a, a commercialization coach at the moment, helping us mm-hmm. get the product more out there. Um, whilst I said business owners are the main client for the product, lawyers... When lawyers, if lawyers do the test for their clients, they get the best return out of it. So we're okay. working out really what our message is to the lawyers. So mm-hmm. uh, what we're what we're spending a lot of time at the moment is interviewing lawyers, showing them the product, getting their feedback. How useful is it? What what how would you use it here? Like business owners love it because it, it helps them see those spots. But as I say, the scalable business for me is when I get lawyers mm-hmm. using it for their clients. Yeah. And so we're working with the lawyers to find out what what do they want. Mm. And, and how can we use what we've already built to help them get what they want? Because at the end of the day, what they really want is a, a consistent flow of work coming in. This gives that to them. So, we want to show them that and then help them build that out. So, as far as those pieces go, it's a iterative process of watching what the, what uh, feedback we get, uh, talking to the, devel- uh, the, the lawyers in particular, mm-hmm. finding out what else we could do that would be useful for them, then figuring out how cost-effective it is to build it, <laughs> and, then, uh, and, and then build it after that. At what point um, did your target market change? Because clearly that's changed in the evolution of the product. Has that impacted the direction of the product, the way it's used? What has that done? Yeah, so uh, the first part of the question about when did it change? It really mm-hmm. changed. Uh, so in 2018, we won for version one, we won the Queensland Law Society Innovation in Law Award. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah we were super stoked about that. And, yeah, and it was at that definitely. point we, we realized that we had something that it wasn't just useful for us, it was useful for other lawyers as well. And so, really, it was around that, so about the beginning of 2018 that we went, you know what, this is something that lawyers can find useful. And um, and the reason for that change was, was also because I went, 
as a business owner, you do a test one-off and you'd see the result and then it tells you what to do. And you might do another one in a year's time. Mm. But from a recurring profit model, which is what yeah, yeah, yeah that's what we're trying to achieve in this world, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we, all, yeah. We, all want, we all want that. The, the business owner is not going to really give that to us. Uh, yeah, we're building some some education platform along with it to, to, to get that. Mm-hmm. But really, the lawyers were where it was at for the... The development, and when I when I thought about what my why is, yeah, what I, what I want to try and achieve with this product, and that's to make legal advice accessible for all SMEs around the world. Mm-hmm. I can't do that myself. No. I can't I can't sell this test that's less than hundred bucks to to uh, all the businesses around the world. I need lawyers to partner with me, to partner with to get it out to their clients to then help people. And if we can do that, then we can actually truly make a difference with people in the world. So it was kind of a confluence of all those things came together, and we went. This is what we're this is what we're going to do, and and one of the things that we that we've built in version 2.0, and this was um, very heavily driven by the developer, is a lawyer's portal. So lawyers can can you know log in and see all of their client information in one spot, mm-hmm. and so that's so you ask how does has it changed with what we're doing? That's one of the ways it's changed. It's mm-hmm. changed because we've built a, a very robust lawyer back end so that they can log in, see all their client information, get all the client information. And, and and see everything so that they can help their clients as best as they can. Yeah, and you're solving another problem too because if you're just getting the businesses on board to see that they've got problems in their legal structures or there's holes in things that they didn't win aware of, they still need a lawyer to do all that. So either yeah, you have the network of lawyers available or you have the lawyers take them through it to actually get the help. Otherwise, there's not much benefit to knowing something's wrong when you can't actually fix it yourself. Uh, absolutely. And, and we actually also have recently introduced a, uh, a, a referral system. So, if, you, if, if you're not through the lawyers, if you don't come through a lawyer uh, and you don't have a lawyer, you can actually ask uh, for a referral and we will, uh, throughout Australia, we have contacts of lawyers in all states uh, and we're building that network in the US and the U- and we've got that in the UK as well. So, uh, at the moment, it's, it's around that. Future development might include some stuff where we actually help draft documents, uh, but that's down the track once we've made, a, made, yeah. made a, a bigger tool and got made a, a bigger impact on the initial stuff first. And I think cool. what you're doing there is starting small but evolving products with the consumer and your business models changing. And that's something that people don't realize when they jump into the space. Um, sometimes we get it wrong and we don't know where the, where the, um, the best way to market. In the end, it's a business, right? It's the tools, the tool that delivers the outcome, but how to get it in the hands of more people. And I think, yeah, it's interesting the way the model's flipped when you've gone back to lawyers to help you um, get it into the hands of more businesses. It makes sense because they're dealing with the businesses directly um, and they can obviously get the value to find the holes and help their customers along the journey too because in the end, um, they're also there to help. So, I think that's yeah, quite an interesting point where people need to realize that sometimes you might make a product and your customer can change. We've seen it happen in a couple of different conversations um, mm-hmm. where you, whoever's paying for the product can change and it can impact the way you market and model it out too and just changes the whole business process. Yeah, absolutely, and our and our product still works for the mm-hmm. business owner. I still do mm-hmm. talks, I do podcasts, yep. uh, where we talk about it and we make it available to, to business owners to do. Mm-hmm. It's just for the long term success of the product, we mm-hmm. need lawyers to 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 be on board with it yes. because, as you say, they can actually help their clients. So yeah, and it, and it is an ever evolving thing. I don't, mm-hmm. you know. Business, I think, in all sorts of businesses, yeah, all sorts of every business evolves over time, and if you're not evolving, then you're you're probably going backwards. So definitely another example. Yeah. yeah. In terms of, um, and that's one advantage if you are in, we're in business that is evolving. It's one of the key points that you said there. Um, and if you're building tech products, um, 
I was on a, on a conversation earlier today around um, internal teams and if you should do internal teams or not. And I think there's a point where, yes, you might build some external, but bringing someone internal into a business if a core offering is technology needs to happen. Um, and when that time comes, I think it's hard to say when exactly it is, but you might be able to build an MVP and get you to a point externally. But if it is, is a core component of what you're doing, you, you do need some, some support internally, at least from a, a CTO perspective or someone that can advise you if you're not technical yourself. It's definitely something that has to be done at some point in the business evolution. Especially if you haven't found that good partner. Yeah, correct. That can work with you. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think that um, that was a big realization I made. Is I, I I realized, as I said earlier, I have a dangerous level of technology, and um, and I can break things, and I'm the worst person in the world to be doing that. So I needed someone to actually run that, and that's why. I, and I did. I went yeah. through a very long process, a, a very long, um, mm-hmm. you know, vetting process to make sure I found the right person, so that mm-hmm. I, yeah, I know that this thing's going to be huge. I know that we can help a lot of people, and we can really make a difference. And I need the right person on on board with me with that. So. Yeah, just having that, knowing that um, you're doing something right and winning an award a couple of years ago, I'm sure it gave you a bit of um, uh, a kick out the butt to keep pushing because in business, um, yeah, we can sort of um, get to sort of roadblocks where things get hard and if the first version didn't quite work and you still won an award because of it, was that still that's the case of the first version or was it, yeah, still V1 yeah. Um, yeah, and it wasn't V1. perfect? Um, yeah, that still gives you a good incentive to keep moving and keep going on the right track, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, we won some other awards too. But that was the biggest one, yeah. and uh, it does give you the momentum to keep going. Yeah, and, and also I think having a bigger purpose. As I said, like my, my purpose is around making that legal advice accessible mm-hmm. for SMEs around the world, and that's a huge project. That's, yeah, it is. that's not a, that's not a small thing. <laughs> no, um, but I know that we can do it. Uh, yeah, we've we've developed uh, the product so it works in Australia, the US, the UK, and South Africa. Yes, uh, and yeah, we're we're going the Western world first because the law is very similar, and then we'll look at at other countries. And but it's definitely possible, and it's something that that I'll um, definitely be working towards achieving. Cool. Yeah, that's a good target to have then, because they're consistent. It makes it a little bit easier for you to roll out less tweaks to the system, and on top of that, you'll have. Localization and internationalization problems with translations and other stuff that some people don't think about in software, especially. Yeah, absolutely. And the translation problems, even with America and the UK, you know, the, the, oh, langu- the language, the language, language differences, yeah. right? And those are different yeah. meanings in words. And legal is very um, a one word change can mean a completely different thing. So it's, yeah, it becomes a bit complicated, doesn't it? It it does, yeah. and yeah. it's it's something that we've been very careful of. Even mm. even the difference between using the word lawyer and attorney. Mm-hmm. I had a, a, a lawyer in Australia go, "Oh, why are you using the word attorney?" And I said, "Well, because America is one of our yes. major markets, mm. and that's what they use." And so there's even just different uses of language over here. There's there's a lot of other ones in um between my American friends and and yeah. myself that we joke about where <laughs> the language is different that you don't realise just yeah. how different it is. Oh, very good. <laughs> so based on um your journey thus far and where you've gone. If you were to go to Jeremy, um, who started out on this journey of building a little bit of a tech component of business, um, what would you advise him and what are a couple of tips that you'd give him along the way and say, uh, do this first? Um, I think it's around finding a tech partner rather than just try and engage someone to do it. I, I know people even now who engage someone to build their tech product and you know that's great but they should be a partner and Mm. you know you can partner with all sorts of people but you need it i think i would tell myself i need a tech partner Mm -hmm. because i need to know that they're invested in what we're doing 
and it's still going to cost you money mm-hmm. uh, and it's not about saving money it's about it's about having someone in the long term so that you can develop it going forward uh, so that's that's the first thing I'd also say don't sweat the small stuff <laughs> that's probably just good life advice yeah, really. it is good life advice I agree <laughs> Uh, you know, if it takes an extra week, no one knows. You know, if, if, if something is delayed because of a reason outside your control, no one else knows. And you you want it to be perfect. You want it to, to achieve everything you want it to achieve. And it's okay that it doesn't because no one else knows that that's the case. Yeah. And yeah, I'm a bit of a, I, I, yeah, I'm a lawyer. So I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to a lot of things. And <laughs> um, and I've, I've had to change that mindset so that just to be wary that, that things do change. Mm. And I think just getting In things those- out there too at some point to, is important. Well, that's right. In yeah. those um, first days, when you were looking for your the person to develop it for you, were you going around doing what I call uh, quote shopping um, and I- trying to find the cheapest, or are you trying to find someone who's going to deliver something that you thought would provide you the value you needed? Definitely the second one. I wasn't quote yeah. shopping. I I contacted people that I knew uh, and uh, people in the tech industry who I knew built software, uh, oh, and uh, the person that I chose. Uh, had some experience in what in what they were doing, but they did, probably didn't have the experience exactly with what we needed. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said, you know, that's just as much on me as it is on them. And I should what I needed was a partner to build yep. what to, to build the, the business that I want to build. I needed a partner. I couldn't just have someone do it. So uh, I'm certainly not a, a fan of looking around, you know, price shopping for the cheapest quote because you get what you pay yep. for. <laughs> Yep, the, same apply, the same applies for lawyers too, just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, same applies in every industry, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And so, so no, it was definitely around, you know, who do I know who can who can do this? And yeah. it, look, it just didn't work out. And, you know, I learned my lessons and I lost a couple of years, but, you know, onwards and upwards, oh, right? <laughs> that happens. It's a lesson you've learned from at least and you've moved forward in the right direction. Exactly. Generally, well, yeah, whenever we have people that we talk to and they've done that quote shopping, it's generally like you're almost comparing apples to oranges. You can't even compare two quotes directly just because the person you're talking to is providing you from their perspective or the way they would implement it, which is different to the other person's understanding of what you have asked them to do. That's right. And that's where the, the two weekly, you know, the checking in every two weeks, that, that agile approach just works so much better because you don't, you don't have those misunderstandings. I think yeah. um, one of the things we talk about is clarity. Um, that's that's important from everybody that's involved in a project. Um, it's pivotal to success, really. So, mm. if you're you're clear on where you're going, um, that's one thing. But you need your developer to be clear on where you're going. You need key stakeholders to all be getting clear and getting buy-in. Um, if you don't have that, you can get sort of stuck between a communication gap. So it's mm. it's on everybody to make sure everybody's clear. And I think that's one of the key things in a in a tech project or any project for that matter, because they can be quite complex and processes can get complicated. So yeah, clarity is one of the things we talk about as being pivotal to any project success. And the only way you get there is by communication and documenting and making sure everyone's on the same page um, and it might mean hours and hours of talking in workshops but that's money well spent because uh, it can save you that sort of two-year gap if you get it right from the from the get-go yeah couldn't agree more it's uh you put the work up front and and as i said earlier like putting the work in to say building wireframes and really understand the logic mm. really gave the clarity that we didn't have before yeah. And, and yeah we invested hours and now days in that process Mm -hmm. but it saved a lot on the back end and a lot of that was done because i i explained my frustration with the first process to the second with the second um developer Mm -hmm. and uh we were able to build it so that didn't happen Mm -hmm. and it's a good lesson for everyone listening to to just follow that process and and take the time it's like anything prepare (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah one of the things talking about that it's very easy to be a lot agile 
at the beginning. So um, talk about this a little bit from a, an agile perspective, especially when you're like working on um, bigger projects. Someone may not be able to be as agile within a project. They might need budgets. But if you can get agile at the front, and plan agilely and design agilely, communicate with your um, your end users, get the right feedback early so your planning is at a point where at least at an MVP level, you've got a bit of a clear path. Some things may change and that's okay, but you want to get to a point where you've actually answered a lot of the questions up front. Um, mm. It's easy to jump into an agile project, but in reality, if you don't know where you're going, it's it becomes a quite messy one too if you just jump head in straight in and start building. And I think, yeah, people sort of um, can get a little bit lost in what agile can mean. Um, mm. Yeah, be flexible in your development, but also be as thorough as humanly possible on some planning and be very agile in that model and keep working and evolving so you get the um, get closer to the right product up front because there's no guarantees mm. in anything, but you'll get clearer from the get-go if you do that. I think to understand that it will change, as we said earlier. Yeah, correct. Understand that it will change and that's okay. That's That happens in life and business and everything. So, just be ready for that and, and just not not get caught up with if, there, if there's a problem mm-hmm. um, and, and just know that it, whatever, it, it will sort itself out and, and it'll be fine. Just work work through that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, yeah, the big lesson. You'll never be able to plan for everything. No, it doesn't <laughs> really happen. And it's a learning thing, right? Um no one has all the answers. And when you're going through the process of building your product and still are, um, you're thinking about that and you're brainstorming and you're ideating as you go. And that's the reality of it. And you might not come up with the right solution to begin with, but you're still going down to one target. And that's, that's, that's right. why it changes all the time because yeah, there's no real right answer here. Um, it's, it's new, it's innovative. And if you're doing something new and innovative, there's no guarantees. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeremy, um, it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks for joining us on the Dev Ready podcast today, talking about um, your journey thus far. And if anyone wants to learn about um, your product, I think it can help a lot of businesses out there. How can they find out about it? Um, if they want to check out, if they go to businesslegallifecycle.com slash devready, uh, we've put together a page with some of our information there and a, a 50% discount um, to take the test and check it out and see how um, see how it works uh, for their business, um, especially for your listeners. Yeah, perfect. Uh, they, can, they, can see, they can see how what we've built uh, as far as a, as a tech product goes and also get some advice yeah. <laughs> from themselves as well, which will be handy. No, it sounds yeah. really good, Jeremy. Uh, we'll share that out, clear with the show notes and share out the page. So, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and um, talking today. So, thanks for joining us, Jeremy. Thanks very much.